George, go ahead and come up, and I'm going to share a little personal story and then pray for you. If you know me personally, I've I've been in ministry since I was um, really in college and, and then came here as youth pastor um, uh, back in 1988. My heart just has compassion for people. I love to pastor people. I love to reach the lost and get to know new people and plant seeds in their heart. I love that. You know, those passions will keep you busy. Those passions will get you busy. But I ended up meeting a man named Joe League. Joe League is the founder of this church. He passed away a few years ago. His lovely bride sitting right here. And... He had a vision soon after he was called in the ministry about Israel and the Jews being persecuted and the body of Christ being one of the few that would protect the Jews in this end-time persecution. He's, he led a, and then later, 20-some years later, led a group to Israel in 1995, and then we sent a family out of this church. The O'Neill family lived there about 12 years. We supported them with many trips and so forth. So I'm going to tell the story too much, but I'm, what I'm getting at is that I personally am so grateful that Joel, though it wasn't popular, you know, let out with that punning spirit that we're going to be a, a people that stand with Israel and we're believing for a revival and, and harvest among Jewish people everywhere. Because I would have just stayed busy in, in regular ministry, which is the heart of God as well. You know, there's but I, I would have just stayed focused in that and not have opened myself up. Uh, another a piece to this, because it, with you're staying biblical from Genesis to Re- Revelation if you realize what God has done with the Jews and is doing with the Jews, and you're staying with the Bible. You're, you're staying in track with the Bible. And in 95, when we first met Robert Stearns on an airplane and ended up getting to know him on that 90, 1995 trip, he leads Eagles Wings Ministry, a close friend of ours. I realized, man, this is what God's doing, not just for the church, not just for Israel. This is about Jesus Christ establishing his kingdom and his return throughout the whole earth. So I, I had a sense of back in those days, and it, it comes and goes, I, I sense it with you and Rivka again today. This is rise of, this is a, there's a destiny that impacts the whole earth that I'm connecting you to. So please don't look at today and and the Bible that's just for you to get through the day. The Bible is unfolding an end-time universal plan for the whole world, and we're, 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 we're watching it happen among us. And, of course, with the pandemic and these other things these past years and a half, our hearts are more, more open. Lord, these are strange times. Could we really be closer than we thought in, in the middle of the end times that we, we perhaps we didn't, we want, you know, we just, you just kind of wait and wonder and whatever, anything that ever happened. Well, things are happening right now that are international level. And, and because Joe League was led by the Lord so many years ago, decades ago, we are connected to this. And, and, and so I want you to open your heart and say, add this to your passions. Okay, add this to your passions, and um, and we're gonna um, uh, this this is a training day. This is a a you know we we want to gain knowledge that we can understand and use. So let me pray over 
uh, George here and then and let him run with what's in his heart. Holy Spirit, we are uh, just grateful that you included us in in your your salvation, in your body, your people, but also in your your biblical end time plan on the earth. And it's it's an amazing plan. It's, you win. It it it's it's victorious, and and yet it's it's earth shaking. It's it's a nation shaking. It's people shaking. A culture shaking. And Lord, we feel that shaking uh, in our own lives. And so we are asking you to teach us today, train us today, that we would bear fruit and be able to contribute and be partners with you in your end time work in the earth. Lord, just. Bless uh, George right now. May he yield to your Holy Spirit as our ears and our hearts will yield to your Holy Spirit, Lord, as you teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, that was a great intro. i got to give you 20 bucks later. <laughs> um, this is the first time I've ever spoken here, so I kind of have to introduce myself. My name is George Witten. I am not Israeli. My wife was actually born in Israel. Her family actually um, helped build Israel from the foundation. Her great-grandfather actually had an orange grove outside of Tel Aviv in an area called Petek Tikva. And on his orange grove was a very young man. His name was Ben-Gurion. As a teenager, worked on his orange grove. He was the first prime minister of Israel. The fourth prime minister of Israel, Levi Eshkol, who was the prime minister at the time of the 67 Six-Day War, he was also worked as a teenager on his orange grove. There are streets named after uh, her great-grandfather in Tel Aviv. So that's a little bit about our connection to Israel, and so it's a little bit deeper. I run a site called Worthy News. I thought I did. (laughs) Um, Here we go. So I run a site called Worthy News. Worthy News was found on the verse, Watch ye therefore, and pray always, and may be found worthy to escape these things. The very first portion of the verse is being watchmen, right? Watch. Now, the ancient Hebrew word for watchman, or one of the Hebrew words, is notzrim. Can you say it with me? Notzrim. Notzrim. You've just said the modern Hebrew word for Christian. The ancient Hebrew word for watchman is the modern Hebrew word for Christian. We're all called to be watchmen. Okay? The second portion of that verse is to pray always. I literally read through over 3,000 headlines a day. And I sift through the news, and I actually pull out all of the junk news. You have to understand that we have a media now that has actually become the enemy of the people. They don't abide by the ninth commandment. The ninth commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness. They lie, and they know that we know that they're lying, yet they continue to lie. It's a very strange thing that we're living in, and we actually have to go ahead and and uh, decipher right through that. Because, quite frankly, the news should just be your prayer points. For example, just the other day, there's an 8.2 earthquake that happened in Alaska. I sent out an alert literally within, within 15 minutes of that, uh, uh, that going out because there was a tsunami alert that actually impacted the entire... Believers needed to be praying right away. We didn't need to get into the politics. There, there, an earthquake just took place. An earthquake, an 8.2, you know, happens very rarely... It could have done incredible damage. Those are prayer points that you need to have right away. That, that's what we do. And finally, that we may be found worthy. How many realize the Lord is coming back really, really soon? Okay. Now, where we live in is in a little town called Arad. Now, 
here is, oh, you don't have a little pointer on here. Okay, here it is, there it is. There's Masada, and a little town right here is called Arad. If you forget it, we're between a rod and a hard place. Okay. This is the town where the spies first spied out the land. Ten spies came back with a bad report. Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report. This is a very strategic town. It's also a town where it's probably the most, it's the highest persecution for believers there. I don't have time to get into that, but just be praying for us because we have a lot of opposition. Now, I'm going to talk about prophecy, and I'm going to talk about things happening, but you have to understand, I don't come from a perspective it's the end of the world. I believe we're just in the birthing of the kingdom. Okay, and, and, and when you understand what is taking place, it helps you to pray into your prophetic call as a watchman to pray into the events that are happening. So I've got to give you an understanding of where I'm coming from prophetically. When Yeshua came, when Jesus came, he said, I've come to preach the kingdom of God, and it was for this purpose I've been sent. The purpose of Jesus was actually proclaiming the message of the kingdom. When he presented himself alive for 40 days after the resurrection, what was he doing? He was presenting the kingdom. Right? The very last verse of Acts was Paul proclaiming the kingdom. At the beginning of Acts and the end of Acts, begin talking about the kingdom. And the purpose of Jesus was preaching the kingdom. Then are we not followers of Jesus? Should not be that our heart should be preaching the kingdom. Now the, the message of the kingdom always began with the word repent. Somehow or another, this became a bad word. This is the key word. This is the word of the kingdom. Repent. Repent means you're going one way. You're not going God's way. You realize you're not going God's way. You turn and you start going God's way. I turn, right, that your sins may be blind out. There's a time in your life where you realize you cannot save yourself. No matter how good you are, you cannot save yourself because just one sin does not allow you to go into the kingdom. And so you come to a realization that you have to trust and say, Lord, I'm trusting that you've, you've done it all. That's repentance unto salvation. That's a repent to God that your sins may be blotted out. However, there's a twofold aspect of this. And the aspect is this. Go back to that verse. Keep that up. That there may come seasons of refreshing. That word refreshing is fresh breath or revival. I don't stay in a state of repentance to stay saved. I know the day I was birthed in. Once you're birthed, I don't think you can get unbirthed. However, I do believe there's a great number of people inside the church that never have truly been birthed in. I think there's a great number of people that have been still birthed and they haven't realized, you know, John says it like this, if they were truly of us, they would have continued with us. Because they did not continue with us, they were truly not of us. However, once you're birthed in, I don't think you can unbirth yourself. At the same time, we have to live in a lifestyle of repentance so we live in a lifestyle of revival. I'm not worried about losing my salvation. I want to hear from God. I want to always hear from God, right? And so, you know, can we not be better husbands? Can we not be better wives? Can we not be better friends? See, if we're not living a lifestyle of repentance, and we're not living and saying, God, search me and know me, that you may expose every wicked thing in me, then you're not living a lifestyle of repentance. You're not living a lifestyle of revival. And somehow or another, we, we made repentance a bad word. It is the key word. It is the word. It is the message of the kingdom. Go back. Here, I'm going to go up next slide. I lost my slides. There we go. Oh, there we go. I'm going to go back. Continues on. It says, They may send to you the Messiah, or Christ, who is appointed for you, even Jesus, 
whom heaven must receive until the times of the restoration of all things. Now, the restoration of all things. God is getting ready to restore everything. I will show you from the scriptures, God's restoring everything. But notice here, where if God spoke up by the mouth of the holy prophets. When Jesus and the apostles taught the message of the kingdom and were proclaiming the kingdom, there was not yet a New Testament. The New Testament doesn't come for another 20 or 30 years. The apostles thought that Jesus was coming in their lifetime and they came to a position in their own life, we better write this down. Especially after when James died, we better write these things down because we don't know when he's coming back. So how did they teach the message of the kingdom? They actually taught the message of the kingdom from Genesis all the way to Malachi. The Old Testament's not a negative. The Old Testament's where actually the message of the kingdom is. Now, in in Matthew, it says, I say to you, in the regeneration. That word regeneration is such a unique word. It is a Greek word. It's palingenesia. It's only used three times in the entire Brit Hadashan, in the entire New Testament, is the word, ready, return to Genesis. Return to Genesis. Now, as we go ahead and study these things, we know this, that we're going to know the end from the beginning. There's a lot of people studying the last days and studying about the last days, but you're not going to understand the last days until you make the connection that Revelation is directly connected to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers in the Old Testament. Okay? In Isaiah, it says this, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard, right? talks about a little child shall be leading them. What is this talking about? It's actually talking about the restoration of the animal kingdom. In the future, when the Lord comes back, ready? We're gonna, the animals are going to be at perfect peace with us. What happened? Adam, did he have a problem naming a lion? Was he worried about getting eaten by a lion? No, right? Was a, was a lamb, you know, freaked out if he was going to get eaten by a bear? Right? That's not happening. There's a, there's a dimension changing. There's a transformation that's going to change. When the Lord comes back, it's going to be radically different. It says this in Zephaniah 3, 9, I will give to the peoples a pure language, and they shall call upon the name of Jehovah with one consent. A pure language. What are we going to? Before Babel, Genesis 12, before Babel, everyone spoke the same language. In Revelation, we read that mystery Babylon is destroyed in Genesis 17 and 18. That is destroyed. When the Lord comes back and is, and is ruling from Jerusalem, ready? You're not going to have a headset for English. You're not going to have a headset for whatever language. We're all going to speak a common language. I love this idea that we're all going to understand one another. You know, I've been married almost 19 years. I'm looking forward to the day my wife finally understands me. Revelation 5, 9, and 10. And there was a lamb that was slain, and it says, Worthy you to take the scroll and open the seals, for you were slain by your blood to ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. That the restoration of all things was God's plan of redeeming people from everywhere. And you have made them a kingdom and priest of God, and they shall reign on the earth. It's not heaven yet. It's not the New Jerusalem yet. The New Jerusalem doesn't happen until, the Bible says, after a thousand years. In Genesis, we understand that God said to Adam, I give you dominion over the earth. What God is restoring to us is dominion over the earth. 
And he's called us to be kings and priests. A king doesn't shy away from battle. A king runs into battle. A priest knows how to live holy. And each one of you, if you're in the Messiah, you're part of this chosen race. You're part of this royal priesthood. That you're, you, you've been called out of this, 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 this situation of darkness. And now you've become a people of God. There's a standard that we're called to live. If God is at work restoring all things, God hasn't rejected anyone and God hasn't replaced anyone. Right? And what Ephesians talks about is Gentiles who were once separated outside of all the covenant promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were alienated and, and strangers to this covenant. But now through the Jewish Messiah, he's gone ahead and he's become our peace that we may become one new man. Jew and Gentile, one, one, per, one, one body together. That there is no more division, that we have one spirit together, right? And so now what, what, the, what Paul was teaching was Gentiles weren't replacing anyone. Gentiles weren't rejected. Gentiles are being restored. That Gentiles are now restored and they're no longer strangers and aliens, but now fellow citizens of the household of God. As Paul continues his discourse in, in, in Ephesians 3, he says, This mystery was made known to me. It was not made known to other generations. And now this mystery is what? The Gentiles are soul heirs? No. They didn't replace anyone. They became fellow heirs. They joined to the promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as they joined to this promise, this mystery that was hidden in ages in God... Right? Was made now known, manifold now. Well, look at this, look at this very carefully. That through the church, manifold wisdom of God may be made known to the rulers and authorities. Where? In heavenly places. You ready for this? The plan of God was so incredible and about redeeming people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, it blew the angels away. They didn't understand how incredible God's love was. So we can have a little bit of mercy and a little bit of grace for our, our brothers and sisters that don't quite understand this. That they, they somehow think they've replaced someone. They haven't replaced anyone. They've been restored to a place of promise. That's what the Bible talks about. And if the Bible is restoring people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, doesn't it make sense? He's got a plan for Israel. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And as you continue on this understanding, you understand that blindness has happened to Israel until what? Until the fullness of the nations comes in. That God has got a plan to redeem the nations and then all of Israel shall be saved. And you may ask yourself, well, how does national redemption take place? Well, Zechariah 12, 12 says this, And I will pour upon the, ready? upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Who is that? That's Jewish people. Right? And I'll pour upon them the, the spirit of grace and supplications. That's the Holy Spirit. And they shall look upon me whom they pierced. That sounds like Jesus. If you had a visitation by God and you saw Jesus in the clouds, how could you not believe? That's how national redemption takes place. However, until that time, you have to understand that we are now in the middle of a prophecy. The Valley of Dry Bones is a prophecy about the Jewish people lost and scattered for 2,000 years. And all of a sudden... The, the bones came together, the flesh came upon them, that there was a physical awakening, but notice this, there was no breath in them in verse 8. No breath. That word breath is ruach, spirit. 
that God actually foretold a physical restoration before the spiritual restoration. There's many people that say the Jewish people back to the land is the restoration of Israel. It is not the restoration of Israel. The restoration of Israel doesn't take place until verse 14. And I'll put my spirit within you and you shall live. That is the full restoration of Israel when they come back to the Messiah. Right now, we're only partially through the prophecy. And as we see these things come to pass, then we realize that there's a a thing happening now. That God is actually using Gentiles to provoke Israel to jealousy. Now, he says, Paul says this very interesting question. He says, if they're trespassed, meaning if the Jewish people rejected the Messiah, that we could come into these riches, the riches of salvation, and their failure allowed us to enter in, then Paul asks this very interesting question at the end. He says, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Or what happens if they do believe? It's not an if. What happens when they believe? Now notice this. Spurgeon wrote this in the 1800s. He said this. I do not attach enough importance to the restoration of the Jews. Those that are the first missionaries, the first apostles to us who are far, for they should be regathered in again. But notice this. Until that should be, the church's glory can never come. Matchless benefits are tied to the spiritual restoration of Israel. For their, regather, should, for their, uh, for their regathering should be as life from the dead. Listen. The reason why Israel is so important and the reason why you say, I bless them and bless thee, right, is so that you receive your full blessing. If you're praying for a revival and you're not praying for the revival in Israel, you're missing out on the full power. There's a lot of ministries that talk about blessing Israel. I will bless them that bless thee, and they don't talk about the need for their salvation. For those of us that are actually in the land, actually striving for the salvation of Israel, we're the ones that are persecuted. We're the ones that are, that are blacklisted. There's many organizations that will not even talk to us because we are so blunt about the need for their salvation. But I truly believe that the key to everything is seeing them come into the kingdom. And as we see more and more Jewish people come into the kingdom, I believe there's just going to be a blessing poured out to the entire body. If you want to be blessed, start praying into the salvation of Israel. It's not about blessing them physically. It's about blessing them spiritually. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then what? All the other things get added. It's a bonus. So now we realize that we're going to see that if their rejection means the reconciliation world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? So that is my theology in a nutshell. My theology in a nutshell is that God is at work and we're in the middle of a plan. We're in the middle of these birth pangs. We're in the middle of a shaking and he's shaking the world to birth the kingdom. And he's using us to redeem people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. He's using us to provoke Israel to jealousy. He's using us to bring forth a revival. So often in, when we talk about the last days, I, I wrote down some notes and I have to write, I have to read it perfectly. So, time, so often we get our last days centered on the return of the Antichrist instead of preparing ourselves as the bride. Very often we get very centered on what's the mark of the beast instead of being marked by everyone around us knowing that you're marked by Yeshua, marked by the Lamb. When James and John walked, they said, these are unlearned men, but they were with Jesus, Right? Oh, oops. Then we are, 
we have to remember that we have to be centered on redeeming the world instead of trying to escape everything. And then the final thing is that we have to have an end times theology that's centered on hope and not fear. Right now, there is an overwhelming fear that is, that is crippling the body. This is not the time to be crippled by fear, but to realize who you are. You're kings and priests of the Most High God. If God is for us, who can be against us? we got to get that mentality that we have a job to do. Amen. Now, I'm going to talk about what's happening. But when I talk about prophecy, prophecy is not difficult. It's about building encouragement and comfort. To understand God's plan allows you to fulfill God's plan. Now, I live, you're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars, right? Now, notice here, Jesus gave you a commandment. See that you're not troubled. Stop freaking out. I'm giving you layman's terms. For these things might come to pass. No, it's going to come to pass. Okay? Now, I live in Israel, or I'm trying to live back in Israel. Now, you know, we're in this tiny little country. We're surrounded by like 500 million Muslims that love us. To death. You didn't let me finish. To death. But I want you to understand something. If God is at work redeeming people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, and God is for Israel, does not mean that God is against Egypt. God is actually pro-Egyptian. God is actually pro-Palestinian. God is actually pro-Iraqi. God is actually pro-Iranian. What we are actually battling is a principality that's deceiving the Egyptians, the, the Palestinians, the Iranians. We have to make that distinction. And you have to understand that there's a blessing. It talks about a highway coming in the future, a highway coming out of Egypt into Assyria. And then it says something very interesting. It says, blessed is my people Egypt. And Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. So we have to start looking at things from a little different perspective. Now, in the Bible, you won't find the word Iran. But you do find the word Elam, E-L-A-M. Elam is this red area, or orange area, I guess, on this monitor. This orange area is actually inside of the modern state of Iran. So when you talk about Iran, you read in the Bible, Elam, you can make that connection. Okay, Now, in, you have to understand that the, the next set of events are actually really, I believe, are centered on Iran. And there's actually been a covert war happening for quite some time. That Right now, there, that there are centrifuges being hit, and the centrifuges are being used to enrich uranium to make a bomb. And so for the last 10 years, there's been multiple attacks. These are all within the last oh, two weeks. Right now, there's actually a kind of a civil war happening in Iran because they've had major water shortages and also electrical shortages. And they started having internet issues. And now they weren't chanting death to America. They were actually starting to chant death to Khomeini. And right now, it's very, very hard to get the news out because the internet's been turned off. But we now realize the idea says that Iran is the closest it's ever been to a bomb. As you continue reading this, you'll realize that the Lapid, who is now the... Israeli foreign minister and Benny Gantz, the Israeli defense minister, went to the United States and said, look, the, these, the Iranians are, are this close to a bomb. Now, as you continue on, last week, Lindsey Graham said, this could be a situation where Israel goes ahead and does a preemptive strike on Iran. Now, I want to go back to the prophecy. 
And it says this, Behold, I will break the bow of Elam, I will bring upon Elam the four winds from the four quarters of heaven, and I will scatter them to all those winds. And there shall be no nation that the Iranians that are scattered will not come. Well, most people don't realize that when the Iranians, when the Ayatollah Khomeini took power, it actually caused the largest diaspora, or the largest emigration. People fleeing the nation. This is from the Migration Policy Institute, and it literally said in 1978, 1979, it caused the largest emigration. People fleeing the nation. Just two weeks ago, there were Iranians all over the world protesting at Iranian embassies, protesting the Iranian government. They want to return back home. Now, if you continue reading the prophecy, it says, I will terrify Elam before their enemies and before those who seek life. I will bring disaster upon them and fierce anger to them. I will send a sword after until I consume them. And if you stop there, you would say, there is a war coming. But it's not for the reason that you understand. Because if you continue reading the prophecy, it says this, and I will set up my throne in Elam. Wow. Well, you have to understand that God is trying to set up his throne right here in Louisville. That God is trying to set up his throne in Washington, D.C. God is trying to set up his throne in Iran. God is trying to set up his throne in Israel. Why? Because the earth and all therein is his. And in order to do so, God says, I've got to destroy their kings and their officials. But notice this at the end here. In the latter days, this, this particular phrase in Hebrew is akarit hayimim. It literally, literally can be translated in the end of the end of days. And this phrase is used talking about the Jewish people returning back to the land in the end of the end of days. It's used talking about when uh, Jesus comes back and builds the temple in the end of the end of days. It's used talking about the Gog-Magog war, talking about the, the, the last days war in the end of the end of days. It's used here. Notice here, I'm going to destroy. No, God's not destroying Iran. God's trying to restore Iran. See, if you get your understanding, you get your thing mixed up, you don't realize there's a revival happening in Iran. There was 100,000 believers in 1994, and now there's over 3 million believers. Can I hear an amen? I mean, the Lord is doing something incredible right now. But I fear what happens is, because many people are, are, are reading the news, the news influences how you pray. Okay? And I believe what's settling in is what's called what I call the Jonah complex. We all know the story of Jonah. Jonah was swallowed up by a great fish, right? Most people never study the actual, the scene behind the scenes happening, okay? Jonah was living during the time of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrians were the, actually the first terrorists of the Middle East. To their enemies, they would go ahead and crucify them. They were the ones that came up with the whole idea of crucifixion. So what did they do? Well, the Assyrian Empire, you know, there was a mayor of a town. And he's the one that's causing a rebellion. We'll crucify him. To settle that whole town down. So Jonah probably went to the school of prophets. Probably the troublemakers of his day were probably prophets. It's probably people that he knew that were being crucified. So I want you to make that, that, that connection. The next thing is this, that it was during the Assyrian Empire that we had the ten lost tribes. The Assyrians had an empire that went all the way from Egypt, all the way near India. It was this vast empire, and it was such a huge empire, that an army of Assyria couldn't control this amount of people. It was too big. They came up with a very genius plan. They realized if, if a, 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 let's say there was a million people in the Galilee, 
There's a million people that, that could come together. It's much harder to, to suppress a million people. So we've got to split them up. So you actually find entire towns being picked up out of the Galilee and moved into Iran. An Iranian town moved into the Galilee, picked up another town and moved it into Assyria, picked up another Syrian town and moved it into the Galilee, picked up a town and, and moved it into Egypt, Egypt into... And all of a sudden, there's all these different groups. See, when Jesus came, the rabbi said, what good thing could come out of the Galilee? Why? Because now full of pagans. Where did the pagans come from? They came from the Assyrians going ahead and displacing people. Okay? When Jesus goes to Gadara and casts out the demoniac and, the, and, and out of the legion, the legion comes out and goes into a herd of swine. Um, that's pigs. How many people think that was a Jewish farmer? Where did that farmer come from? That, that's what's taking place. I'm giving you an understanding. So here is Jonah. And God says to Jonah, you need to go to Nineveh. He's probably shaking his head. He's like, God, they're terrorists. I mean, they crucify people. And God, they've gone ahead and ripped our inheritance out from underneath us. They've moved us from now not the land of milk and honey. They moved us in these pagan lands. And worse than that, God, they brought all their pagan idols and filled the entire area full of idols. God says to Jonah, you need to go to Nineveh. Nineveh's east. And Jonah goes to Joppa, which is modern-day Tel Aviv, and goes to Tarshish. Tarshish is in Spain. You can't get farther west than Spain in Jonah's day. He's running. Now, if you get swallowed up by a great fish, and you're in the belly of a great fish for three days and three nights, you'd have an attitude adjustment too. Right? Jonah has an attitude adjustment. He goes to Nineveh. Here's an amazing thing. He goes to Nineveh. He has the greatest revival recorded in the Old Testament. The king, the entire town, they come to complete repentance. And Jonah's response is, God, you better kill me now. Ready for this? His hatred, quote-unquote, for the terrorists, his hatred for them was greater than his understanding of God's love for them. I mean, God says, look, shoot, I'm not pitying anybody. They don't know the right hand from the left. We're at a day now, all we hear is they, can't, they chant death to America. God, you need to wipe them out. They're chanting. They're, they're saying to annihilate the Jewish people. God, you need to defend your people. God, you need to wipe them out. And not even realize that you actually picked up the same spirit of James and John. James and John were walking through Samaria. They didn't receive the word. And they said to Jesus, should we not call down fire like Elijah did and wipe them out? And Jesus turned and rebuked him and said, you don't know what spirit you're speaking of. Because Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. And if we're, we are followers of Jesus, our calling is to reach and bring people into the kingdom. We live in a day, in, in, in Daniel, there's a very interesting prophecy. And it's also for us in the last days. Daniel is praying. And Gabriel 
is trying to answer his prayer. And he says, look, the first thing you, you set your heart to understand to humble yourself before God. Uh, that's repentance. You know, he's sitting there saying, Lord, help me understand what's going on. Now, the prince of Persia. It is not a prince. Gabriel, the angel, is not fighting a prince. He's fighting a principality. Where's Persia? Well, Persia not only included Iran, but northern Iraq and Syria. It's a, it was much bigger than, than Elam. But here's the thing. Here was this principality that was fighting. And Michael, one of the chief princes, who's Michael? We know in Daniel 12, Michael is the archangel watcher of the Jewish people. He had to come and assist. Gabriel's trying to answer Daniel. He's trying to deliver the word. And now there's this principality trying to fight, trying to prevent the word from being answered, trying to prevent these things. There's a battle in heaven. There's a heavenly battle. And notice this. It's to help you understand what will happen to your people, ready, in the end of the end of days. See, we're actually fighting against principalities and powers. Everything that we're seeing in the physical realm, we actually are dealing with a principality and power behind it. For example, when I went to Seattle and was inside of Portland, and I was inside of the Antifa riots, there's one thing that stood out to me was how many people were wearing pentagram shirts and pentagram earrings, where the spirit of rebellion is the spirit of witchcraft. We we're actually fighting against principalities and powers, and we're saying, Lord, Lord, you, know, go, go, you need to deal with this physically. No, we need to deal with this spiritually. We need to start praying against the principalities and powers. See, God has called us to be watchmen. You know, if you continue reading this, he says, I set up watchmen on your walls. And they're not going to stop day or night until what? Until he makes Jerusalem a praise in all the earth. He's called us all to participate in this spiritual war. When we pray for Jerusalem, when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, those that love thee will be blessed. How is true peace going to come to Jerusalem? Not until the Prince of Peace comes back. When we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we're actually praying for the return of the Lord. How many want the Lord to come back? I'm going to close with this. When we talk about the restoration of all things, when we talk about what God is actually trying to restore, and you actually go back to Genesis, what was really lost at the garden? Relationship. Adam and Eve, Adam was walking in the garden, having conversation. He had relationship. Sin enters into the world and relationship is broken. Relationship is broken and now Jesus came not only to die, but to deal with the issue that prevents relationship from happening. He came to deal with the sin issue so that we could hear from God. We're living in a day and age now where we all got to be hearing God's voice. And, and if we're not hearing from God's voice, then we're going to miss out on what God is doing. And it can't be like the children of Israel when they said to Moses, Moses, we know that you hear from God. You go up to the mountain and then you come back. You tell us what God says. Now, what Jesus did, he broke the barrier he broke the barrier from the Holy of Holies so we could enter in any time. So we could be in the very presence of God. In Genesis, it said that Abel, Cain and Abel were both religious. They brought an offering. Cain didn't come with the right heart. 
There's a lot of people that are trying to come to God with the wrong heart. There's only one sacrifice. His name is Yeshua. And he came to restore relationship. So I'm not trying to preach religion to you. Religion is not going to save you in the last days. Relationship, though, will go ahead and change a lot of things. But if your relationship is broken, let's say I have an argument with my wife. If I have an argument with my wife and I'm wrong. (laughs) Usually. And I just say, I'm sorry. She'll often say to me, you're not sorry. I know what real sorry is. She may go ahead and say, prove it. Right? That's works worthy of repentance. You can't work your way into the kingdom. But very often what follows a repentant heart are works. You're never going to find a perfect church. But you're going to find a great church as a repentant church. We are imperfect people. And there's relationships inside of this church that are broken because you allowed sin to enter in. Guess what? You need to take it to the cross. If we're going to have a real revival, it's going to happen when we love one another. But you can't love one another. You can't walk into that revival unless you first are right with God yourself. That's, that's, that's really the message of the kingdom. It's saying, look, I want to restore relationship. I want you to be right with God today. And then secondly, I want you to be right with one another today. Because a move of God's going to happen, ready, with or without you. Would you believe it? God doesn't actually need us. He doesn't need us. But he's saying to us, will you participate? Will you do what's needed to actually see a move of God right here? Because that's what God is trying to do. He's trying to move in all of us. He's trying to speak to us. He's saying, look, I want to know you. I already know you better than you know yourself. You just don't realize how much I know you. And I don't care where you've been. I don't care how much sin you got to deal with. He already knows. But he says, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin. And ready for this? Cleanse you from everything you don't even realize that you're doing wrong. That's relationship. So Abba Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would pour a fresh understanding of what real repentance is. That real repentance is needed for relationship. That real repentance is needed for revival. I ask you, Father, that you would restore relationships in here, not only with you, but with each other. That revival would break forth. That a move of your spirit would take place. I thank you, Abba, what you're going to do. I'm, I'm good. I got this one. Thank you. Wow. Holy Spirit's working on each one of us, isn't he? He wants relationship. He's a loving God, and he wants to you to know and experience his love and grace. And he's that obstacle of the sin problem blocking that experiencing his true love for us. I'm going to ask the 
altar ministry teams, if you would come down here and be available for prayer about anything going on in your life. In a few moments, we'll have a prayer line, a, a, a prayer phone number for those online that you can call over the next 30 minutes on Sunday morning and receive prayer that way. Um, I'm going to say a prayer here, but I'm going to let the worship team sing a blessing over us. Georgian Rivka brought some items and jewelry from Israel out in the gathering place. They said that the store owners and some believers who, you know, have these stores have been shut down so much in Israel, they're really hurting as businesses and they're shipping jewelry and things to the United States. Please help us. You know, we need a bigger market. We need some help. So those things are available to you after the service. But as they continue to worship here and, and, and close us out, Lord God, the key word is repent. Help us to be open to that in, in areas that you want us to repent in. Lord, any anyone in this room online or who will watch this later on this week, if that's repentance is to come back to the Lord or to come to the Lord for the first time, how wonderful and exciting. We're, we're so happy for you. This is this is a new day where you're beginning a real relationship with Jesus. Not just belief and actions, but entering into real relationship where you turn to God. And his blood, sacrifice on the cross, was good enough to cleanse you and I from all unrighteousness and sin. And then he comes, lives inside of us. To have relationship with Him. What a wonderful day. What a wonderful time. And this is your first time. If you're coming back to the Lord after perhaps weeks, months, or years away, this is wonderful. And Lord, also just any area that you just want us to resubmit and put you Lord of that area. Lord, forgive us. We repent for claiming it as our own to to do it in our own way. Lord God, we want you, Lord, of all the areas of our life. We repent. We turn back to you in that area. Before we close out with a song, I want to share with you a song that the Lord put on my heart, and I hesitate to say that it was me who wrote it because it was really the Holy Spirit. It's a heart cry. This song is a heart cry for repentance over this land. And I'm just going to go, I'm not going to tell you the story behind it, but there is a story. And um, I really, if when you're watching this um, video behind me, uh, this is a lot of where our travels came from this past couple years. Uh, there'll be scenes from different things that we've been doing around the United States. I don't know if George spoke about it at all, but we've been going all these places like while they were happening, like Antifa, the Black Lives Matter thing, everything. We were all like in those places as the things were happening, praying and breaking strongholds in worship. And this is a repentance song, so I don't want to break the spirit here. So if you feel the need to have prayer. This is a heart cry to the Lord. 
It's a heart cry to the Lord to heal our land. slaves and you did not forsake us in our bondage you extended mercy to us to revive us to repair the house of God to rebuild us oh when we were guilty of iniquity helpless in captivity We've forsaken your ways, but with a mighty and an outstretched arm, will you heal our land? 